you may be seated. Um, we're going to show you a real short video, it's only a three-minute video uh, tonight. <clears throat> but before I do, let me just kind of introduce what we're looking at uh, tonight once again. We're looking at the idea of us being more effective in getting the gospel out. Now, I realize every believer has a heart and a passion to get the gospel out. It's in there somewhere. But the problem is we often feel like we're failing at it. And being human beings, if we feel like we're failing at it, what happens is we give up. And you know what? You have these strangers and somebody comes and preaches or I preach a message or you read something in your Bible and you get this dart and you say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it together. I'm going to do it. And rapidly it tends to fall away for us, right? Now, what I want to do with this month is encourage us to actually get involved and then equip us, help us to actually do it. You see, the fruit of a believer is another believer. Right? The fruit of a believer is another believer. Uh, and, and as believers, that's what we want and that's what we desire. But it doesn't happen by accident. It happens intentionally and on purpose. And we'll talk in a few minutes about some of the things that hinder us from it, or the main thing that hinders us from it. But we need to uh, understand what we need is we need we need, by God's grace, to be in a place where we can actually do it. It won't happen by accident. We need to actually plan for it. We need to pray for it. And I'm going to put some tools in your hand this week that will help you uh, as far as doing that is concerned. Right? Okay, so let us watch this video. The reason I showed you that was for the picture at the end. Isn't that a powerful little picture? Did you think that if each one of us in our sphere were to be a light in our sphere and be seeing souls saved and seeing people drawn to Christ, that we could actually affect a huge area? And that's, that's the way the gospel is intended to work. That's not strange or different or uh, a new concept. That's, that's the way the gospel is uh, supposed to work. It's supposed to work with us actually spreading out uh, with the gospel and seeing souls saved. All right? <clears throat> okay, now, we have a lot to cover tonight, and I realize uh, that if I overshoot the time too much and you miss the soccer match tonight, I could be in big trouble, all right? So we're going to try and get, get everything done uh, that we have to do as rapidly as we possibly can. And I want to split up. I want us to take some time, at least at the end, where we actually break up into groups and you look over the material and talk a little bit about the Bible study because I want you to experience the idea of sitting in a group because I think many of you could actually have a Bible study in your home where you invite friends and people out to, uh, and uh, you, could, you could learn to do this in terms of meeting somebody uh, for lunch, uh, meeting somebody after work. There are so many ways that you could actually do this, you could undertake to do this, and you could be blessed and you could actually see souls saved through it. All right? um, <clears throat> we had a memory verse. Who knows their memory verse for this week? Who wants to have a go at their memory verse for this week? I want to hear everybody's memory verse. Who wants to have a go at their memory verse for this week? Rory, go for it. Okay. Romans 1.16. Amen. Anthony. Okay, anybody else want to have a go at it here? You memorize this week and you just want to, go, you want to get it out. Anybody else at all? Vincent? Okay, now, <clears throat> let me ask you, how many of you believe that? Well, hold your hands. If you believe that, you believe that's true. Right? <clears throat> 
Um, how many of you believe this? That anybody who dies without Christ spends eternity in hell? Alright, now as a group we're pretty well convinced of some of these things, right? Now we believe them. Now, so we know that in order for people to come to Christ, they have to hear the gospel and they have to be saved. We're sure of that, we're convinced of that, but we have kind of a lag, don't we? We have a lag between where we are and the actual voicing of it. We have a lag between where we are, what we know. We know that they need to hear it. Uh, there's, a, there's a lag between us and actually getting it out there. Now, you know what? That's really not surprising at all. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's dreadful and yet not surprising. Let's look at a couple of things. Let's, let's pray first. Father, bless now. Uh, bless that we look to your word and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, uh, what we need, obviously, is we need to have boldness in, in, in soul winning. Uh, and when you think of the Apostle Paul, you think of somebody who was bold in their soul winning, don't you? He would stand up in the synagogue and he would just cut loose and let them all have it. He would stand in the street corner and he would cut loose and let, let them have it. He would stand before Agrippa uh, and Festus and he would cut loose and let them have the gospel. You know, the guy was bold. But do you know that the Apostle Paul uh, asked for prayer for boldness? Um, <clears throat> look with me at Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, Bible scholars, by the way, as we looked at, what's Ephesians chapter 6, or the second part of Ephesians chapter 6 particularly about? What are you looking at when you look at the, the second part of Ephesians chapter 6? Looking at the armor, right? You're looking at the armor. Uh, we're looking at the armor, how we, how we end up going to battle against Satan, how we end up dealing with the enemy, right? <clears throat> Now, um, so that's what, at, at the end of that, we find verse 18 through 20. This is the end of, it's part of what he's talking about as far as armor is concerned. Now look what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Do, do, do you know that Paul, two things there Paul is recognizing. First of all, he's recognizing, you know what, I am afraid. To Paul. The Apostle Paul had a problem with this thing? Yeah. He had a problem. And the second thing he's recognizing is that the enemy is part of the fear that he has. The enemy plays a part of the, in, in, in his fear of delivering the gospel. Now, uh, the gospel was just as unacceptable in that day as it is today. You were likely to lose your life over it. And Paul reckoned, you know what? Uh, this is not easy. There's a spiritual warfare that goes on. Now, here's the thing about spiritual warfare. It'll wear you out. If we were to look at warfare... Uh, like they're talking about in Ephesians chapter 6, on a physical plane. Do you know the army that wore out first lost? Because guys would stand hacking away at each other with swords and with, with shields, and they would fight and battle until somebody wore out and turned, and once you turned, you're finished. Right? Now, what happens to us in a spiritual warfare too is we get worn out. And some of you have, you know, listen, there's been a time past when you, listen, you were, you were there. You were, you, you were pushing forward with the gospel. You were uh, out there uh, and talking to people. You were passing out tracts. You were excited about it. You, uh, you, you were asking God to give you opportunities. And 
It got worn out. It just got worn out doing it. And now you're ashamed to say it, but you know what? It's a long time since you really were fervent in the gospel. It's a long time since you were really active about passing out tracts and talking to people about it. And, you know, because we're moral creatures, we don't do something like that and just not say anything, but we, we rationalize it in our heads, right? Well, I'm busy doing other things, and I'm serving maybe, and I'm doing other things that are important too. But you know what? God wants you delivering the gospel. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we're doing in our lives today, when we stand before God, won't really be all that important. It won't. It won't be all that important eternally. But this matter of the gospel is. It's pretty important. And God wants us involved in it. And we have an enemy that's trying to stop us from going forward. And now let me just, I'm going to just read through some other verses here uh, that deal with this issue of boldness, right? <clears throat> Uh, boldness is a key character of the character trait of the apostles in the book of Acts. Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Acts 4.29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Um, <clears throat> And when they had prayed in verse 31, the place was shaken. You need to look up there. Let me just read them to you. The place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, Acts 4 is interesting, because what happens is they get caught preaching the gospel. They get warned off. They get told, listen, keep it quiet. Keep a lid on it, because if you speak, we're going to do you damage if you speak this. And so they go home, and you know what they do? They pray for boldness. And when they pray for boldness, God meets with them in power. There's, there's a very clear relationship between revival and between the declaration of the gospel. Now, if you were to ask me which comes first, does revival come and then the declaration of the gospel, or does the declaration of the gospel come and then revival? I don't know. I think there's two sides of the one coin. But I do know this, that when we're not actually being bold about the gospel, we don't really have a need for the power of the Spirit of God like we think we do. That when we're not being bold, when we're being bold about the gospel, we're living on the edge. We're living in the place where it's uncomfortable, and we're delivering truth to people that don't particularly want it, want it but we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. And the Spirit of God can meet with us in that. Remember the promise is, uh, <clears throat> uh, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. That's part of the Great Commission. Right? That we want the power of God, but if we're going to have the power of God in our lives, we have to be bold with the gospel. Now let me continue on. Right? Um, <clears throat> Acts 9.27 But Barnabas took him and brought them into the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. That's Paul after he was converted. Acts 9.29 And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed amongst the Grecians, uh, but they went about to slay him. Now, by the way, um, the, the faith mission in Scotland uh, had uh, a, a twofold uh, agenda whenever they went into a town, right? And their twofold agenda was this, right? They either wanted revival, that's what they wanted, or riot. Either they were going to see people really turning to Christ, or they were going to see people turning against them. One or the other was going to happen. And when you declare the gospel boldly in the power of the Spirit, you're going to get one or, one or two reactions. People are going to react against it. People are going to get bent out of shape with you. Right? And, and you've got to expect that. That's part, that's part of what's going to happen. But what's going to happen is God's going to meet you in the middle of it. 
Right? Um, Acts 13, verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Now what Paul is saying there is, he's boldly saying to them, Listen, it was necessary that we come and offer you the gospel, but you turned away from it. Now, now we're going to take it to the Gentiles. And, you know, and, and essentially your blood be upon your own head. You see, everybody is not going to get saved because you boldly deliver the gospel. But what you're going to do is you're going to make people aware of where they stand before God. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Acts 14, verse 3. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. Acts 18, verse 26. And they began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And I could go on, right? Now, last week we looked at the idea of the difference between boldness and brashness, right? Um, somebody who's bold has a message to deliver that's urgent. They're not just being ornery and difficult and, and, and um, you know, <clears throat> wanting to get their own point across. And you've got to be careful of that. This is not a fleshly thing. This is not about you wanting to get your point across. This is about the warning people need to hear. Because if we believe that everybody's going to spend eternity either in heaven or in hell, then we need to be serious about this thing. And we need to boldly declare if you were standing on a curve in the road and you were warning people uh, that as they went around the road that the, the bridge was out and they would go to their, their death, you'd be waving your arms. You'd be getting excited. You'd be making sure people knew the message that you had to give to them. You might not be able to stop them going around the corner, but you would do your best. Now, we have a gospel that is just as important, and so we need... To have that kind of seriousness about us. That kind of boldness about us. Right? <clears throat> now, boldness comes, and I'm going to give you some verses. You could write these down. Uh, they might be a help to you. Right? Boldness comes from, the com from compassion from the Savior. Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitude, he's moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Compassion from the Savior. Well, what's the need for people out there today? What's their need? What do they need? They need the gospel. They need a savior. They need a shepherd. They need someone to lead them and guide them. They don't know what they're doing or where they're going. <clears throat> um, it comes from compassion from the Savior. It comes from a conscious awareness of judgment. Matthew 25, 41 uh, and 46. Then shall they also say unto them, he also say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Right? That's true. That's Jesus speaking. There's, there's, there's everlasting um, punishment. That's Ma Matthew 25, 41 and 46. Then there's a command from the Lord, Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go. Preach the gospel. Listen, is that for you and I? We're supposed to go, aren't we? Look, I understand. I understand you get cowed down, you get beaten down, you get tired, you get worn out. I understand. What you need to do, though, is put that behind you and cry out to the Lord and um, <clears throat> understand. Listen, this is a command. Failure to obey a command is sin. Right? Uh, then there's confidence in the message. We've talked about that. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. 
right, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, <clears throat> I'm not the power of God into salvation. I can't save anybody. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You know, <clears throat> all you do is you like to stick a dynamite. And it's between them and God. What happens after that? And I think we do have some false ideas in our head that really strangle us as far as the gospel is concerned. I'm not responsible for winning anybody to the Lord. That's not my job. I don't have to do a sales job. I'm a messenger sent to deliver a message. It's between that person and God what they do with the message. I want to deliver the, the message as boldly and as effectively as I possibly can, but I can't make anybody get saved. That's between them and God. And I think in a sense, we need to let ourselves off the hook there because I can't. But I am responsible for delivering the message. Now, if I'm responsible for delivering the message, I'm always successful when I'm doing it. Right? Here's what happens. Uh, I make myself responsible for actually winning them. And what happens is, okay, well, I, I spoke to five people and nobody got saved. Therefore, I failed. No, I didn't. If I delivered the message, then I was successful. See, it's not my job to win people. That's God's job. My job is to deliver the uh, is to deliver the message. And you, you, you know, you 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 got to kind of switch that in your head so that you're responsible for delivering the message as effectively as you possibly can. And then you leave it in God's hands. It's God's job to actually save somebody, not yours. So that. You're successful if you go and deliver the message. You're successful if you deliver it. You know? <clears throat> giving a tract to someone. That can be delivering the message too. <clears throat> it was inter interesting when you're up at the square. Uh, Michael and I were up at the square the other day, right? And Michael's on one side of the um, <clears throat> where people are coming out of the uh, out of the square, and I'm on the other side, the McDonald's side, right? And it was interesting. He was passing. Uh, he was get, he was getting all the traffic going this way, and I was getting all the traffic going that way, right? Uh, and it was interesting. I'm kind of like uh, ten or fifteen paces away. A good number of people walk by me reading the tract. They're they're actually reading it now. <clears throat> you know, listen. They're getting the gospel. They're, they're, they're reading the gospel. You know, that's effective. You know, <clears throat> and Charlie Kittery used to say, one in ten got there. I don't know. I don't know where he got that figure. Uh, if an angel from heaven delivered it to him. But you know what? People read tracts and eventually get saved. Right? That's the gospel in literature. If you're passing out tracts, you know what? That'd be a good deal. Here's, by the way, we'll talk about this, not tonight, but we'll talk about it another time. We're going to have a challenge where you give out five tracks a week. Just five. Where you get consistent at giving out five tracks every week. Find five people to put a tract in their hand. Five people that you eyeball, that you speak to. And, you know, some of you have gotten in that discipline before, and then it's fallen away for you. But you can get back. Listen, that's good. That, that's not a failure. That's you delivering the gospel, right? <clears throat> but, uh, you, you know... We're responsible for delivering the message. Okay, then, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8 says this, um, <clears throat> But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Right? So you're supposed to be a witness with power. You're not on your own in this thing. 
You see, uh, Paul is looking for boldness. You know, Paul understands, I can't do this thing by myself. Neither can you. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit enabling me to do it. Uh, and then there's a convincement uh, concerning divine appointments. Acts 18, verse 9 and 10. Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not your peace, for I am with you, and no man shall set on you to hurt you, for I have much people in this city. Do you know there are times when the Spirit of God is going to say to you, I want you to speak to such and such a person. I want you to go and do it. I want you to do it now. And understand, there, there are divine appointments. There are times when God has prepared somebody for you to speak to. And it's important that you not miss those divine, divine appointments. And then continuing prayer, Acts, or sorry, Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying for us also, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which, for, of which, I, am, for which I am also in bonds, and that I may make it manifest clearly known as I ought to speak. Right? <clears throat> so continuing in prayer. We need to understand that if we're going to see souls saved, we need to be in prayer about it. We need to be praying, Lord, would you work in that person's heart? Or would you, would you take all the obstacles out of the way? Would, would you work in, the, in that person's heart? Now, you know, if you get that, that you're witnessing a lot, you won't be praying for everybody that you witness or everybody that you pass a tract out to in that way. But you know what? As you pray and cry out to God, God is moving and God is acting in people's lives and hearts. Right? <clears throat> but we, we, we need to understand that there needs to be a continuing in prayer. So we're going to have boldness in the gospel uh, <clears throat> when we have compassion from the Savior, when we have a conscious awareness of judgment. Right? When we have a command from the Lord and a confidence in his message, when we have the cooperation with the Holy Spirit and the convincement concerning divine appointments that God wants me to speak and there are certain people I need to speak to, and then a continuing in prayer, we can have boldness. But here's what I know in my life. It doesn't happen by accident. You know what? <clears throat> Left to myself, I'll always take the easy way. And you know what? The easy way is always not given the gospel. That's always the easy way. It's always easier not to than it is to. You know, unless I'm, uh, unless I'm planning to give the gospel, I won't. Unless I've got tracts in my pocket, I won't pass out tracts. Unless I plan at some point in the week that I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to people about the gospel, I won't do it. So we need to plan to do it. It doesn't happen by accident. Right? There's a spiritual issue. Yep. We need boldness from the Lord. We need to, we need to face the spiritual issue. And we need to face the practical issue of I need to plan to do it. Then I need to be in prayer. I need to be saying, Lord, help me. And then I need to be in prayer for the people that I'm reaching out to. Now, <clears throat> one other thought I want to leave you, and then we're going to move on to the Bible. Actually, uh, Dave, if you could start passing out those sheets now. Uh, that would help, right? Uh, one of the points, and then we'll go straight and we'll look at this and then I'm going to dismiss you. Um, you know, <clears throat> the, when it comes to delivering the gospel, you know what? Obviously, my ideal is I'm going to go and talk to somebody. I'm going to go through the gospel with them. They're going to, come, they're going to get saved. They're going to come to church. They're going to get baptized. And they're going to be a church member. That's, that's, that's a great plan, isn't it? Right, that, that, that's what I want to see happen. That's not what happens very often. Right? Now, LifeGate Bible Baptist Church has, over the years, Vincent and I were talking about this the other day, over the years there have been so many people that have come and gotten saved and drifted off somewhere else. 
Some of them are in the church somewhere else. Some of them are in, not anywhere. Uh, but there's so many people that have been saved. You know, I, I would say that we would safely have five times the number of people we had of all the people that have been reached over the years ever came out. We wouldn't be able to fit them all, right? Now, you say, well, pastor, what good is that if they don't come here? They're saved. They're on their way to heaven. Some of them are active in churches somewhere. Some of them are, are, are doing what God would have them to do. See, the gospel's never a failure. And when the people of God get in, involved in the gospel, we never fail. The enemy would like us to think that we fail, but we never fail. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Dynamite always does stuff. Now, there isn't one for everybody, by the way, guys. You're going to have to look. <clears throat> um, you're going to have to share, okay? Uh, it's all. <clears throat> uh, if there's two between you, you can actually look. Right, quick, Anthony. So we have the, uh, the enemy, though, uh, steps in and an yeah, the enemy steps in. That's why we need to fight the spiritual issue. We need to fight the spiritual issue. Actually, you don't need one. You got you got it in the book already, right? Okay, who needs one here, Dave? I've got three sheets here, right? Uh, if you have the book, you, okay, there's another one. Florence, Florence already has a book, and you already have a book, so you don't need one either, right? Hang on, you're giving back too many. There. Have you, you th have you guys got one? Okay, good. Here, there you go, there's more. Right? Who needs one? Put your hand up if you need one. Okay, now, you're covering the first point of the, point of the gospel. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to dismiss, you're going to grab a cup of tea, and you're going to spend 10, 15 minutes doing this uh, and looking at this. Well, I just want to point out a few things to you. Now, those of you that are teachers, I'll have you stand in a minute so groups can form uh, with you. But uh, as a teacher, I'm not asking you to go through all of this tonight. Don't. Right? What we're doing is sitting around tables is we're experiencing what it will be like to sit around a table. And I want everybody in the group to think, I could do this. I can actually take and go through this with one person or with a group of people. See, part, part of, part, one of the obstacles that the enemy puts in our way is you don't know enough to do this. Now, that's not true. But, you know, if you have material in your hand that helps you to get through it, then you're set. And you can become very familiar with this material. It's a, a, a very straightforward. You know, unless you're not saved here tonight, there's nothing new in this that you're going to find out that's new, right? <clears throat> um, first page there of your sheet, he's talking about God. Uh, and he's going against the idea that God is an energy. And he says, uh, <clears throat> uh, we can get away from the fact that he is a God that has likes and dislikes. Because people kind of feel, God, feel like God's a force. When he's not, he's a person. He has personality and he has likes and this dislikes. And then he, he makes the point about the, um, the, the Bible on page two there. <clears throat> uh, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved, uh, but carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, <clears throat> what does the Bible say about private interpretation? It doesn't exist. The Bible speaks for itself. People don't and shouldn't privately interpret it. It speaks for itself, right? Um, uh, why was it wrong to make? The, why is it wrong to make the Bible say what we wanted to say? Well, um, because the author had a purpose in writing it, and he wants you to get that purpose. 
right? And uh, <clears throat> who does the Bible teach? Wrote the Bible. Holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now what he's doing there is he's laying a foundation for everything you're going to say. Right, the foundation is the scripture. Uh, you haven't got it now, but I will give you later on just some interesting facts about the Bible that you can actually use to help back up. Because you want people to have uh, to, to, to understand what the, what, the, what the Bible is saying and why it's saying it, right? Now, <coughs> so we go on then, and um, <coughs> he's going to talk uh, about the holiness of God. That's what this whole, uh, whole section is about, right? And he, he brings you to the, uh, the, the passage in Isaiah chapter 6, and uh, it talks about the cherubim singing, holy, 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 and then he, uh, he, he has, the, he has Re- Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, and the same thing, and he's explaining the idea of holy. Now, the reason it's important for people to understand the holiness of God is because we're not. And that's a problem between us and God. He's holy, we're not. There's a difference between us. And so they've got to understand the holiness of God in order to understand what the problem is. You know, why can't we have a relationship with God? Because God's holy and we're not. That's, that's, that's the problem. That's the issue or the difficulty. Uh, so he's going to deal there with the holiness of God. And, and then he has a wonderful section on the commandments, right? And he goes through them at length, and really, it's most of uh, this first lesson that you're dealing with the commandments. Be helpful for you to read through. Uh, I love reading through stuff like this, because what it does is it helps me to get a different take, a different understanding uh, on what he's saying. But, but that's something that you can take, and you, uh, you can look over, and, and you can read, because... Ultimately, in order for somebody to get saved, they have to realize that they're a sinner. And as, as awful as that is, it's essential. Jesus can't save anybody but sinners. He said that. I came for sinners. He can't save you if you're not a sinner. So You've got, you got to realize that you're a sinner. Now, how do you realize you're a sinner? Well, you realize, you know what, the commandments say this, but I've done this. And the commandments say this, and I've done this. Easiest one of all is, have you ever told a lie? You know, the person who says, no, I've never told a lie. Do you realize that the Bible says that anybody who's lied deserves a place in the lake of fire? So lying is not a big deal with us, but it's a serious issue with God. So people need to understand there's a problem. Right? And the problem uh, is this issue. God's holy, and we're not, and therefore he can't relate to us. Right? <clears throat> and... He goes through that in great length. And then at the end, he starts asking the questions that are, that are helpful to you. Have you to die right now or five years from now? Are you 100% certain that all your sins, past, present, and even future, are forgiven and that you have eternal life? Right now, <clears throat> what's he talking about there? He's, ta- he's, he's gone through the holiness of God. He's gone through the fact that we're all sinners. He's gone through the fact in Romans 3.23 where sin separates us from God. And now... In the light of that, he's asking you, well, where do you stand with God? Asking the, the, uh, the lost person where they stand with God, and so God is actually dealing, uh, the Holy Spirit is able to deal with the issue. Now that is, there's a summary after that that would be good for you to read after tonight, um, but uh, really there is not much more that you need to know. We are going to break here, we're going to grab a cup of tea, and spend 10 or 15 minutes, uh, and <clears throat> then... We are done. What I want you to do is I want you to get, and by the way, one person's got the charge of actually leading uh, the, the group as a teacher, but it's really a time for everybody to get involved and just 
really experienced. I could do this. Because you could. You could do this. You could invite people to your home and you could do this. You could do this with a colleague at work on the lunchtime, uh, obviously. Uh, you could do it with a friend. Uh, you could do it with somebody that you meet. You could do this. You could take them through this. You could invite them to do a Bible study uh, with you. And everybody's not going to say yes, but you know what? You ask enough people, somebody's going to say yes. Right? Somebody's going to say yes to you and get involved, and you do a Bible study with them. And you know what? If you get somebody into the Scripture on this level, it's very easy to either see them come to Christ or to reject. Right? But you're, you, you're getting them in on this level. All right. So, any questions? Good. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, let us sing, and we will then uh, pray, and I will dismiss you. And if you take just 10 or 15 minutes just to familiarize yourself with the material, and we will do this once more before we're finished this month. I won't be finished this this month, but key thing for you tonight is let's be praying. Lord, who would you have me to put on my list that I'm going to pray for every day that you would give me an opportunity uh, to see them saved, to see them involved in the Bible study, and to see them saved? But start praying. Uh, and as you start praying, what you're going to find is God has people already that he wants you to get involved. All right?